When I look back through history and consider all the sacrifices in every war, and I try to grasp it all, come to grips with it, stand in reverence of all those willing to give their lives for something bigger than themselves, I am stunned by the sheer numbers. All those lives, all those families, serving their country, I can't always comprehend it. My heart is not big enough to take it all in, that each one didn't come home. What they lost for their service, what we gained for their courage. Today, I stop to remember. Every single number is one soldier, one sailor who got up in the morning and put on a uniform, one Marine who answered the call to fight for freedom one airman who knew the cost and went anyway, one man or woman who paid the ultimate price for many, and the freedom I live in now. Today, I remember. You know, it's, a, it's kind of a somber holiday, but it is also a really special holiday that we have that we're celebrating today. And, um, you know, I, I want to take just a moment and just acknowledge that if you don't know what Memorial Day is, uh, especially if maybe this is not necessarily your native country, but you're here and we've celebrated Memorial Day, you may get the impression that this is all about picnics and hamburgers and stuff like that. But really what this is about is it's about honoring those people who have made and paid the ultimate sacrifice for our country and for our freedom. Um, you know, it's a very, something that I don't have it memorized, but it's something that always speaks to me. And it seems that every time Memorial Day rolls around, um, I, I think of the saying that somebody once wrote and it said, basically, it is truly the soldier and not the politician who gives us the American way of life. You know, as much as we talk about politics and as much as we talk about those who are going to win office and elected, you know, officials and things like that, all of that stuff is just a bunch of bravado and words without any teeth if you don't have soldiers, men and women who have already signed a dotted line, as a friend of mine used to say, have already signed that blank check that says, I will all the way up until my death, I will lay my life down for this country. And I am just very proud, and I find this country to be a beautiful, beautiful place. It's not a perfect place, but it is a beautiful place, and I believe with all of my heart that the reason that we have people that come from other parts of the world to be a part of this American way of life is because the American soldier has made it possible through their sacrifice, even to the very uh, last measure of breath that they have made it possible for us to live the life that we live. And I never want us to forget that politicians love to reach out and try to grab the credit. But the truth is, is it's all about our soldiers and our military men and women. They are the ones that create our world. Can I get an amen on that? Amen, man. I'm telling you, I'm, t I'm, I'm telling you, outside the Bible, that's about as true a word as I'm ever going to speak. Today, we honor Memorial Day. We want to honor just those 
And not just those who served and passed and died, but also those who are serving now. Now, just real quickly, next week we're going to be talking about Esther. We're going to begin a brand new sermon and teaching series. And so I just want to give you the heads up. I think it'll be a real blessing to you. If you don't know the story of Esther, you're going to love it. You're going to fall in love with this gal. She is a really an amazing uh, lady. She's an orphan. She's a queen. She's a heroine uh, for all the ages. It's Esther, and it's going to be a blessing. So be here and be a part of that next week. Now, let me just go back to Memorial Day very quickly. And I want to just talk about maybe some very familiar sites that you've probably seen. Do any of you guys know what this is? Have any of you guys ever visited there before? This is the tomb of the unknown soldier, and that is Arlington National Cemetery looking back out over Washington, D.C., this is guarded 24-7, 365, and it is, a, it is an honor um, that basically was bestowed on a person that they did not know their name, but it came to represent the fact that we do not always know those who protect and serve us as in our country. Sometimes they are faceless and nameless people, and yet we understand that just because we don't know their name or don't know everything about them and their life, we know that they had given their life so that we might be free. Um, one of the more iconic images is probably the, the long white you know, lines of gravestones and sometimes the, the draped coffin that you see here that's on its way to be buried. Um, I even read something that the truth is, is that Arlington National Cemetery is starting to run out of room because there are people that are being buried there. And it's just one more reminder that we have countless countless numbers of people, men and women, who have served our country and have, have died in its service. And so we just want to honor them today on Memorial Day. But, you know, I got to thinking about this, and the truth is, is that you guys have probably seen or even heard about the wreath initiative that they have where they go and put a wreath on every single uh, one of the gravestones uh, of those in Arlington National Cemetery. Here's the deal. What I want to do today is I want to talk a little bit about Memorial Day, about where it comes from and all those different things. And actually, there's a short, short video from the History Channel that is literally like one minute, and it gives you a little bit of a history of how Memorial Day began. So check this out very quickly, and then I want to talk a little bit more uh, about those uh, men and women who have served our country and who are serving them. So check it out. Final months of the Civil War. The Confederate Army converted a horse racing track into an outdoor prison for Union soldiers. Close to 260 men died there and were buried in a mass grave. At the end of the war, in an expression of reverence and gratitude, 28 African-American workers gave them proper burials. They inscribed above their final resting place, Martyrs of the Race Course. Two weeks later, thousands of freed slaves, schoolchildren, and Union soldiers made a procession to the cemetery to pay tribute to their sacrifice. They laid flowers on the graves, listened to speeches, and picnicked on the grass. This informal observance, and others like it, would evolve over time into the holiday we know as Memorial Day. On this day, we remember and honor all of those who have died from all branches of service in conflicts fought by U.S. forces. Hey, you two. Okay, so that is just a very brief uh, kind of history and a way of talking about what has happened in Memorial Day. But one of the things that I actually wanted to mention, this is something that I've kind of come to be believe should be done. And I want to do this, and here's what it is. You know, I, I, I don't want to be in any way sacrilegious. I don't want you to take it in that way. 
But as much as it is an honoring thing for us to put those flowers on those graves, I would rather us give the flowers to the men and women while they're still here to enjoy them. Do you guys understand what I'm saying? It's, it's a quote, you know, these days it's called give, give those people their flowers. Like when they deserve to be respected, when they deserve to be appreciated, when they deserve to be called out for praise, don't wait to put flowers on their grave. You give them their flowers here and now. And I believe that's how it should be. I believe, especially as Christians, we ought to be saying thank you to those men and women who have served. And so what I'm going to do here for just a brief moment is I'm going to give some of the people that are connected to this church their flowers real quick. And I want you guys to just join in with me because I think it'll be something special. So let's check out this first picture. Um, You guys know this guy, right? This is Oscar Filos, looking sharp and dapper. I asked him about the possibility of, uh, of a picture in his uh, uniform. He said, bro, we're in between a house. Like, we're building a new house. We got all our stuff in storage. Can I just take a picture? And I was like, sure, but don't outdress me. But you see what he did. Got a better beard than me, better jacket and everything. But this is Oscar Filos, who served in the Marines. He enlisted in 1998. He's a part of the church family here. You may or may not know this next guy. He is pretty uh, early, but you can check this guy out. He's got him a nice marine tattoo. Do y'all see that tattoo right there? Got the, got the stars and stripes there on his forearm. Um, I, I challenged this guy to a wrestling, uh, arm wrestling match. And uh, you know, no, I'm kidding. He's a big old dude. He's a great guy. Christopher Lip and he and his uh, fiance, Michaela, are going to be getting married on Father's Day weekend. And yours truly gets to marry another military guy to his sweetheart. It's always weird when I say this stuff because I'm like, I'm married a military guy this weekend. It's really weird. I don't know how I'm supposed to say it, but that's what I always say. So we're excited about having Christopher. He is a part of this church family. Let's go to this next slide and check out. Do any of you guys recognize this young face that you see here before you today? Go to the next slide. Walter Moore, yes, sir. You got found out. It's good. It's a good thing. Hey, man. Served in the Air Force, 1973 to 1977. And I got to give you some extra props because you were stationed in Alaska. I mean, you were there for four years. So, I mean, that's a big deal. And uh, served with distinction, and we appreciate your service very, very much. All right, let's go. I tell you what, I've got a couple of others that I didn't necessarily hear back from, but let me just mention, let me mention Oscar Perez, uh, a Navy man from the Vietnam War. That guy actually was on the really big uh, carriers, and I tell you, he is a prayer warrior for you guys here today as well. Oscar Perez, Navy man. Oscar, we love you. We appreciate you. Hope you feel better soon. Prayer warrior and a real warrior, a great guy, and uh, we appreciate your service in the United States Navy. I also just want to mention um, Elijah Baldwin, who also served our country and uh, was a part of the military in his history, in his past. And I also want to call out Courtney. Yes, sir. I see you. I see you. Everybody, I want to just, can you raise your hand? This is Courtney. Let's give Courtney a hand. Courtney, thank you so much. For serving our country. Paula, tell me, wh- who did you serve, or where did you serve? Uh, United States Marine Corps. Y'all, I got to tell you, y'all know that Marines are just a little bit different, right? I mean, they're a little more gung-ho than everybody else, you know? Huh? 
Is that right? Is, is that an army thing? Is that who is an army thing? Is that a Marine Corps thing too? All right. So, hey, thank you so much for your service. We appreciate you. And when did you enlist? 1997. Well, thank you so much for your service. And uh, I also, let's just give these folks so far a hand. I believe we got six different ones that we've already mentioned. Now, I want to show you a very, very sweet picture. Let's take a look at this sweet picture. Oh, man. Oh, isn't that awesome? These are the things that commercials are made of, bro. That is awesome. This is, yeah, yes, that is you, buddy. He's like, that's me. That's me. Yes, it's also your dad and mom, but let's not bury the lead. It is you, right? I love it. These are the hands that prayed for you. Welcome home, Daddy. This is Eddie Castro sitting right here and uh, his wife, Felicia. So, so go back one picture. Aw. And then go forward one picture. Ah! Dude. Intimidating, man. He sent me that picture and I was like, wow, I'm not going to make that guy mad. I feel like he could kill me with his pencil or something like that. All right. Very nice. It is great to have you, Eddie. Appreciate your service, my friend. And actually, that dude that's right to your left didn't know that I was going to throw a picture of you up here. I'm sorry. You got, like, jumped. You got ambushed today. This is Kamem Castillo, who is a guest with us today. Do you recognize that guy there on the right? That is you, buddy. Congratulations for you. Thank you so much for your service. We appreciate it. All right, so these are the guys that so far have served in the past, and I want to share with you a few of those who are a part of our church body that are serving right now. So let's go. Do you guys know these two dudes? This is Leo and Julian Flores. This is why we used to win at church camp in the intramural sports. These two dudes are just like, you know, really, really helpful in those activities that we had. You might recognize those boys, but I don't know if you know this man here. That is Leo serving in the United States Marine Corps. And then one year later, when his brother graduated, he jumped into the Marine Corps too. So Leo and Julian both serving in the United States Marine Corps active duty. Let's hear it for the Flores brothers. Isn't that awesome? Very cool. Let's go to this next picture. You guys probably recognize Caleb Kirk. He's often helped us out in the back. Uh, and this is Caleb in the United States Marine Corps Reserve. Are y'all noticing a trim? We got a ton of Marines around here. And uh, that's Caleb. You can also see a full body picture, not an ounce of body fat on that boy. Not that he had a lot before he went to basic. He came back with none. And uh, that is Caleb, and he's a great young man. Let's go to this next slide here. Look at that fresh face beauty. Isn't she cute? That is our own Mackenzie Addicts, who's been a part of our church for as long as you can possibly remember. And you recognize her looking like that, but you probably don't recognize her looking like that. You probably wouldn't have even recognized her with her braids and her, and her uniform on. But that's Mackenzie. She is actually serving today uh, in Okinawa. Maybe it's tomorrow there. I don't know. But she is stationed in Okinawa. And she is also part of the Marine Corps since November of 2020. And uh, I, I can't quite count them up. Let me see. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve. Yes, sir. She's in the Air Force? Hold on. Is that right? Kim, oh, okay. You know what? Hold on just a second. I feel like Kim, I just saw her feet moving underneath the door. Like Kim is out there on the security team. I, you know what? 
you're in the Air Force. I'm just going to defer to you. I'm sure that is true. So Mackenzie is on Okinawa serving in the Air Force. So that is her. That is 12 different parts of our church body, 12 different folks that are serving in the military. Um, a ton of them in the Marine Corps, but it is a blessing. And uh, let's hear it for these folks and for their service. Amen. All right. Well, thank you guys so much, you ladies as well, for all that you have done and all that you've been a part of. All right. So kids, I'm going to let you guys go ahead and be dismissed. Go, to, go on back to the back. We've got Miss Kenya and Miss Jennifer, uh, Jessica, excuse me, um, are going to be back there. <laughs> Jennifer, I don't know how that came out of my mouth. Um, but Jessica and Kenya are going to be going back there to the back for the kids. So go ahead and send your kids on back. If you have your Bibles or if you have your cell phones and you're doing it that way, please turn to Philippians chapter 2. We're going to be reading from Philippians chapter 2 for just a brief moment and uh, so you can get your Bible app. Uh, by the way, I know when you do this, that is not reading the Bible app. I just want you to know, don't do that. Don't be taking selfies in church and trying to play it off like it's a Bible app thing. Don't. I, I'm born at night, but not last night. Okay, so... Let's talk for just a few moments about our world and Memorial Day and where we find ourselves today, because I actually believe with all of my heart that the things that we have going on in our world are things that we can learn, uh, things that we see in our military are things that we can emulate and be better people as well as Christians, as well as a better society. So I want to just talk about this very quickly. And have you noticed anytime we talk about somebody who is in the military, somebody who has joined the military we say about them in the past tense, we say they have served in the military because we know instinctively that there is an act of service involved. Now, I, at the risk of getting a, the loudest amen I've got in a long time, the military doesn't pay real great, right? I, I knew some of y'all who were in the military were like, amen to that. They don't go in to get rich. They go in because there's a code and a calling in their life. Now, some of them have other reasons and other desires, and that's all good. But they are willing to trade their life and their time and just be full on 24-7, always on duty, always on call. And they are a part of the protection of this country, but also a part of the forming of our society into the things that we want to be and we want to see more of. This idea and this code and this act of service that they do is a reminder that there is something that's different about the military men and women, and they're willing to serve in a different kind of way. So I want to talk today a little bit about what service means and why it's so important and why it's maybe a little bit lacking. Now, all right, let's just, let's just slow down for just a second and make sure we are all on the same page. Now, our world today is very, very different than it was maybe 12, 14, 15 months ago. We all know this. Do you realize, I mean, how different our world is and how much things have changed? Well, our world has not just changed because we're wearing masks or not. It's not just changed because of the things that we, you know, have going on in the world out there. The world is also changing in here for us. And I want to talk about that because I fear that if we don't talk about what's actually happening in here, in here, we don't really 
call out and identify these things as being different, we just assume that, well, this is just the way that the world is or should be. Now, let's talk about our world and what it is this day and uh, over the last few months, how things have shifted. Let's talk about our world. First of all, I've got three of them. The first, our world is, it's coming up. Our world right now is more isolated than ever before. And yes, I'm talking to people that are not even in this room right now. But the truth of the matter is, is that you have even told me yourself there's something different about coming and seeing one another. It's different about seeing people's faces, even if they're only half. And there's just a different feeling and vibe when we're in the same room and when we're talking and connecting and uh, even maybe giving each other a fist bump or whatever it might be. Our world is more isolated now than ever before. My daughter, Tori, if you know much about her situation, she's in school up in Ann Arbor, Michigan area. And so she's up there. She's been isolated and quarantined up there. And she told us when she said, I'm coming down to see mom for Mother's Day. And she told me, she said, just get ready to give lots of hugs because I'm really needing a hug really bad. And so the truth is, is that there's a reminder that we're not built to be in isolation. We're built to be in connection with each other. But our world is more isolated than ever before. And you guys, just real quick, y'all know what they do to people when they really, really want to punish them. And jail isn't enough, don't you? They send them to what? Solitary confinement or isolation. That's right. So when we're in isolation because of the things that are going on in our world, Stuff starts shifting in our head. Did you know that the government has declared that cruel and unusual punishment is leaving somebody in isolation for a certain number of days? They realize that people literally start going crazy because of the lack of human contact. Now, I'm not going to ask any of y'all if you have started going crazy because of a lack of human contact. I will say my poor wife for years, you know, has had to deal with me. But when I became a concentrated dose for that woman for weeks and months on end and nobody to put her back in a normal world, oh, pray for that woman. She's still overcoming it. Here's the deal. We're more isolated than ever before, but also uh, the next one that we see here, fear is everywhere. Now, I know what you guys are thinking. Well, I'm not as afraid as I used to be. I get it. I understand that. But let me just be very clear. I think we all can recognize fear real easily when it feels like fear. <laughs> yeah, genius. Fear feels like fear. Tell me something else, Captain Obvious. Here is the thing. Fear manifests itself in a lot of different ways, like being more agitated than ever before, like being more frustrated than ever before, like being more, um, I don't know, uh, Difficult to deal with, difficult to get along with. It's all of these things like short-tempered. And fear isn't just that feeling of fear. It is also all these other things. And then, have you also noticed that fear, I think this is maybe a little more obvious, but it, it changes us from being outgoing to being inward. So we're more isolated than ever before. And then fear drives us inward. Do you guys understand? And so we're dealing with these two things. And... It's become something that is really, really clear. I don't know if you guys know it or not, but they've literally done a poll. And the only thing that we as Americans can actually agree on these days are that these two people are horrible people. That's it. We don't agree on anything else. Now, how many of you realize that you do have to choose? You have to be Team Carol Baskin or Team Joe Exotic. You have to choose between these two idiots that have become a part of our lives and it can't be unseen. 
I'd love to scrub my eyeballs and unsee some of this. I got to say, I'm team Joe Exotic because the dude is from Oklahoma like me. I'm also against any woman who is strongly suspected of killing her husband for maybe obvious reasons. I don't know if I should be nervous or not, but my wife has now three pictures of Carol Baskin at different points in our house. Is that a bad sign? I'm just curious, right? Here's the truth. We can agree on this and nothing else. Why? Because we're afraid. We're afraid that you're going to take advantage of me. We're afraid that I'm not going to get all that I should have coming to me. We're fearful, and fear is running our lives. It is pulling us inward. It's making us more focused on self than we've ever been before. So we're more isolated. There's no one to pull us back from the ledge as there was before. And then we're more isolated. And then on top of that, we're acting more from fear for maybe some good reasons and some that are maybe even not so good. Let's go to this next slide. Let's check this out. In our world now, it's these two things, but we're also seeking to be great and not good. Here's what I mean. There's an old statement and an old quote that said, America is great because she is good. In other words, America as a society is great, not because of the things that she has or whatever, but because on an individual level, we as a society have chosen to be good people. It's a good nation and a great nation because it's made up of good people. But what that individual said in history is he said, when she ceases to be good, America will also cease to be great. Listen to me, this is happening before our very eyes. You can blame it on whichever party you want to, but it really does all boil down to this. It is a matter of our heart. If we choose to be good people, our society will reflect that. If we choose to withdraw and not serve our country and by being good and by being a voice of good, then we will cease to be great as a nation. And it is true that it's happening on a grand scale. And so that's what's going on in our world right now. But I want to point this out to you as a very, very different thing that we see from what Christ did as he served us as a human race versus how we approach our lives in our world today. And don't miss this very quickly, and then we'll read from Philippians chapter 2. Our world has placed me in the center of everything. Nope, not, not me. <laughs> it's placed the me. It's the we. It's the all of us. It's placed me at the center, and I choose for me what's good, what's right, what I'll do, what I won't do. You can't make me feel any kind of way about what I choose to do or not do, et cetera, et cetera. And so self-interest and self-focus are the norm. But here is the truth. Maybe you'll hear this in the passage of scripture from Philippians 2 I'm about to read. It's both a hazard and it is also an opportunity. Here's what I mean. I've told my daughters, you know, I, I don't know if you guys have seen, but they have actually figured out that this is not a joke. This is not a joke. There are literally medical um, side effects to growing up in the cell phone and tablet age. Did you guys know that? They have literally diagnosed it as cell phone neck, that you walk around like this all the time because your body's not meant to tilt at this angle. There's a stress that your neck's not built to work on. I'm serious. I'm not kidding. This is not a joke. Like, this is what's happening. And so what I told my daughters, I told them, I said, there's kids in your group, of your age group, that never put this down. So here's the thing. You don't even have to be that great to shine like a superstar. 
Because the truth is, is that if every kid walks around like this, no matter what, then all you got to do is put your pocket, put that in your pocket, raise your eyes, and you stand out like a, a blaring red sign. So it's a hazard because that's the norm, and it's easier to fall into the norm. But it is also an opportunity. Now listen, church. Listen, Christian people. If you realize that our world no longer serves, it is a hazard because you think it's normal for you not to serve. By the way, that's true in the world, but it is not true in Christianity. Because Jesus said, I came to seek and to save that which was lost. The Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. And so here is the truth. You can be very normal in your world and not serve, but you can't be right in God's sight if you're not serving. And so this is important for us to understand the hazard, but also the opportunity when people don't care about their neighbors and they never say a word to them, if you're even the slightest little bit of friendly, they're like, they're outgoing. You don't even have to be outgoing to be considered outgoing. It's a hazard, but it's also an opportunity. If you guys are with me, y'all say amen and I'll keep going. Amen? All right. So I'm going to keep going. All right. Skillfully avoided. I see what you're doing. I'm going to read from Philippians chapter 2, and this is the passage of Scripture that speaks about Jesus and how he looked at things differently when he was in heaven and when he came down to earth, and why did he come in the first place? Philippians chapter 2, beginning in verse 1, going through verse 11, and I hope that you'll listen and you'll see some of these things that I've been talking about already. Therefore, if you have any encouragement from being united with Christ, in other words, if you're actually a Christian... If you're actually a Christian, if you have any comfort from God's love, if there's any common sharing in the Holy Spirit, if there's any tenderness and compassion, then make my joy complete by being like-minded, having the same love, being one in spirit and one in mind. And then listen to this. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit, but rather in humility, value others above yourself. Not looking to your own interests, but each to the interests of others. I swear to you that verse 3 and 4 that I just read to you, that could literally be put up on a wall somewhere and be an absolute finger in the chest of our society because we just don't do that. It's more important that I get mine and I do me than I do what's right. And we never value others above ourselves, but this is our hazard and our opportunity. Then in verse 5, it says, In your relationship with one another, have the same mindset as Jesus, who being in the very nature God, who did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage, but rather Jesus made himself nothing by taking on the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness. Now let me just stop real quick, and I'll just tell you what that means. That means when Jesus was in heaven before he came as a baby, he never knew pain, he never knew discomfort, he never knew hunger, he never knew rejection, he never knew tiredness, he never knew the feeling of being isolated or any of these things that we've just talked about. But he said, no, 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 I will volunteer to serve humanity by becoming one of that lower life form. Now, he didn't call us a lower life form, but let's be honest. I mean, the older I get, the more tired I get. The more I hurt and aches and pains and the more frustrated that I can become and on and on and on. Jesus never knew any of those things. He volunteered for all of them. 
so he could come and serve you and serve me. That's a big deal. And here's the question for us. If we are supposed to be like Jesus, how much are we like Jesus? That's just not what we do either. But instead of saying, no, 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 I'm God. I'm too good for all of that. He volunteered, like our military men and women, he volunteered to go and serve for the good, not of self, but the good of others. You remember that message in John, where greater love has no man than this, then he lay down his life for his friends. And so Jesus, being found in the appearance as a man, he humbled himself, he became obedient to death, even the death on a cross. Verse 9 says, Therefore, God exalted him to the highest place, gave him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee would bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess and acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Very quickly, I just want you to grasp this, and I, I emphasize it with three dis- quick spotlights. The first one on the first passage from second uh, chapter of Philippians, I just want to kind of share that. Um, let's go back to uh, the Philippians 2 first passage right before something to learn. <clears throat> it says, do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit, and rather in humility value others above yourself, not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interests of others. And that brings us to our something to learn very quickly. The something to learn is, is that Jesus did not simply talk about serving others. It wasn't a mindset. It was an actual mindset and an action. When his disciples argued about who would be greatest among them right before he was betrayed, when he had that argument going on around him, here he didn't get in there and say, guys, 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 let me share with you what I can tell you about how to be great. Do you remember what he did? He went and he picked up a basin and he picked up a towel and he walked over to his disciples and he knelt down before them and he did the work of a literal servant took their shoes off and washed their feet. They, they'd been walking on dusty roads and streets and sandals. I mean, it's a dirty business and nobody likes human feet, right? All right, so that's it. But here you are, Jesus kneeling down and then he gets done with that process. He didn't just talk about it, he showed it, he shared it and they would never forget it. And then when that whole thing was done, he stood up and he said, so you have called me your Lord and your master And it is true because that is what I am. This is a little bit of a paraphrase, but it's pretty close. He said, so if I, your Lord and master, have knelt down before you and washed your feet and done the work of a slave or a servant, then you, my friends, all of you, ought to also wash and serve, wash others' feet and serve one another. And they would never forget it. Why? Because he didn't teach them, he modeled it. He showed them, he lived it. It wasn't talk, it was talk and action. Now, here's what I've found. I found most of us do good with the talk and do a tiny bit of action. There's also some people that do action but never talk. It's talk and action together that make the biggest and the most profound impact. And here is our big idea that I want you to share today. The big idea is that true service to others is both a mindset and an action. It's a mindset and an action. 
All right? So would you guys say this out loud with me on the count of three? You just read the big idea with me. Ready? One, two, three. True service to others is both a mindset and an action. Thank you. The second passage in Philippians that I want to call attention to is from Philippians chapter 2, verse 6 and 7. He was in the very nature God. In other words, he was fully God, but he didn't consider being one with God and being equal with God as something that he needed to hold on to. He needed to watch out for number one. He did not. Instead, he said, I'll put that all aside and I'll go and do what God would have me to do. I'll go and volunteer. So he made himself nothing and took on the very nature of a servant being made in human likeness. We just talked about his servanthood. And very quickly, I don't know if you guys know this or not, but when I do the big idea, and I try to do that every single week is the big idea, and I try to make it so short that you might be able to memorize it if you so choose and so desire. But sometimes I have more that I want to say, but I literally try to get it into about 14, 15 words or less. Well, I I wanted to do that today. It's about 12, I think. But there's a few more things that I want to say. And if I could expand it just a little on the big idea, this is what I would say. It's on this next slide. True service to others is both a mindset and an action. And just one just doesn't count. Because if you're just doing the mindset but no action, well... That's the whole problem. But if you're just doing the action, but it's not a mindset, you'll do the action while you're doing the action, but you'll never come back to it because I'm here to tell you, sometimes servanthood and being a service to others ain't exactly fun. It ain't. It ain't exactly fun. And I serve people not because I love to serve that person, but because I love the person that made that person. I love the God who created them. So I serve others not because it's easy or fun, but because God, my master, has told me that the way to actual greatness is not found in putting me at the center. It's putting others at the center. Him first, then them, then me. Now, we all know this. You, you might not realize this, but you know this. Here's what I mean. Let's look at what Calvin Coolidge, one of our former presidents, said. And I, I'm, I'm going to continue pretty quickly here. But he said, there's no person that was ever honored for what he received. Honor has been the reward for what a person gives. In other words, nobody was like, this is great. That person received everything that they ever wanted. They were born with a silver spoon in their mouth. What a great individual. You've never said that. But you've said that about people who had to overcome hardships and they served other people and they made a difference in their world when it would have been easier for them to say, I wash my hands of it, I throw my hands up, I got nothing, I can't overcome these things that are in my way. But great people overcome those challenges and they're great for what they give back, not for what they received. Unfortunately, let's, let's slow down for just a quick second right here. Do you realize that our world is constantly elbowing other people out of the way to talk about themselves and what they do and who they are and what they're experiencing in their world, and yet it's always with me at the center and never about the things that they're doing for other people or even just doing those things, not talking about them, just doing them, just never happens. Why? It's hard. And it's easier for me to care about me not about we. Now, we know this. We know this instinctively because look at this next picture that you see here. You feel differently about that guy 
that's giving money to the poor. Somebody who's down on their luck, you feel differently about him and you say, you know what? It's just different. You know this as well. Like we follow celebrities and these are some of the most narcissistic people on earth. Sorry, it's true. Some of them are the most beautiful narcissistic people on earth, you know? So that's why we like to watch them on film. Oh, aren't they pretty? You know, and then they're not necessarily deep most of the time. Sorry, it's true. But then we see one or two who actually are out to make a difference in the world and we're like, oh, what? They don't just care about making money for themselves. They actually want to give back. And we start wanting to go to see their movies or actually find out about them. And we feel differently about them. Why? Because they became less inward and became more outward. Y'all know what I'm saying? It's true. And so if this is what we do when we see people who are celebrities or strangers on the streets doing these things, why in the world would we as Christians not start serving a world that desperately needs somebody to care about them? Now, I talked about the three things that are going on in this world, but the thing that I didn't mention, have y'all known? Have y'all been paying attention? There's a mental health crisis going on because of all those things that we were talking about. People are like, I'm not going to go too far down that rabbit hole, but there is a mental health crisis because of COVID and lots of other reasons. And people need to know they are not alone. Not because you and I feel like, oh, today's a good day for me. No, no, we serve others because they need it, not because it's about us. Now, very quickly, this Philippians chapter 2, that third passage that I just want to mention, uh, it's going to be up here on the screen, the next slide over. Therefore God highly exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name, that the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth, under the earth, and every tongue acknowledge or confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Why did he do that? My dad used to say when he was preaching and teaching, he'd say, anytime you're reading in the Bible and you see something that says, therefore, you need to stop and look and see what it's there for, right? So there you go. Why is the therefore, therefore? Here's why the therefore is there for. Y'all with me? It's because Jesus humbled himself. It's because Jesus set himself aside. It's because Jesus served. And therefore, because he did those things, he was the shining example and God exalted him. It's the same thing that Jesus said on that night where he had the towel in the basin. He said, those of you who are calling me master and Lord realize that this is the path to greatness. The way up is down. The way down is up. Everything's different than the world is going to tell you. It's really important. And can I just come back to this place? I believe in our history, our, our society was a better place. I'm a little old and a little old-fashioned that way. But here is the truth. I believe that part of the problem for us is, is that more and more and more in our world, it is okay to not be good and so our society, which was once great, is degrading and no longer great. It's becoming, I don't even know if good could still describe our society. But we as individuals are the ones who make it up. And so if there were more of God's people who said, you know what, it's not actually about me. And they kind of accepted the military mindset, to be honest, where they said, you know what, I'm willing to do whatever it takes, and I'm willing to sign on the dotted line up until and even as far as I will serve those around me, not for my benefit, but for theirs. 
I think that if America was better at being good, then we once again have an opportunity to be great. I think it's really important. Now, here's what I mean when I, when I say it used to be great, and it's not, maybe not in the same place that it was uh, in the past. Here's what I mean. I'm going to show you a sign or a picture, and I know what's going to happen. So let me just show you this picture of the World War II end coming into New York City. This is the ship, and yes, how many of you guys are getting COVID heebie-jeebies right now? You're like, everybody's so close to one another. Nobody's wearing a mask. That's not socially distant. Okay, right? I don't know if you've had that experience, like when you see something on TV and you get the heebie-jeebies because you're like, uh, that's not socially distanced, you know, whatever. That is definitely not socially distanced. That's the end of World War II. Do you guys know what they call the World War II generation? They call them the greatest generation. I want to talk a little bit about what made them the greatest generation, just very quickly as we kind of bring this to an end. Here's what I would share with you. I would begin with this big question. We'll talk about how do we apply it, and then we'll talk about the greatest generation just a little bit. Now, this is where we are. This doesn't feel normal. This doesn't feel right. This doesn't feel natural. This is something that kind of gives us a kind of moment. But here is the truth. We can find a way to serve people. We can still find a way to serve people. And here's the question that I have to ask. This is the big question. How long has it been? How long has it been? And I'm not asking in judgment. I'm not asking in judgment. I'm asking just to think about it. Because the truth is, is if we don't call it out, we probably don't realize it. But how long has it been since you did something that was just for somebody else? had no benefit for you at all. Because the problem for most of us is when the last time we actually served someone may have been before COVID hit. (laughs) Y'all, that's 15 months ago. You can't go 15 months without serving somebody, doing something for someone. I'm not talking about your job. Like teachers, no, I'm not talking about you taught a kid. That's your job. You get paid for doing that. But when did you go above and beyond? Nurses, I'm not talking about when did you help somebody off a bedpan. Well, Maybe I am talking about that. That is true service, I want you to know. So like nurses, teachers, pastors, not when you did your job, but when did you serve somebody? Not because it was what you were supposed to do to keep your job, but because it was just something that you knew God was saying, you got a chance to be a service. I don't know. Maybe it's been a long time. I think maybe part of the problem is, is this, and this is how you apply this message. If you really want to go out and actually live this message, this is it. Let's go to the I apply by very quickly here. You commit to doing an act of service within the next week, and then you watch for the next person who needs it. Here's why I say this. Let me just explain. Because for most of us, we're like, when I find the perfect situation and the perfect thing and the perfect opportunity, then I will serve. And guess how many times things are perfect in this perfect world that we live in? Not very often. So here's what you do. You just say, you know what? This is what I'm going to do for somebody. And then the next time you hear that somebody has a need, you just do it for them. You just pray and you say, Lord, listen, put somebody in my path today who would be blessed by me doing this. And then you don't try to figure out who would be the better person, the perfect person, or the perfect situation, or the perfect way. You just do it decent until you get an opportunity to do it perfect, because perfect doesn't come around very often, but decent's there quite a bit. That's how you live a service lifestyle. 
If you guys are with me, can y'all just say amen? Amen? All right. So very quickly, here's how we talk about some of the things in the past. I'm, I call myself a World War II fan because if I called myself a World War II buff, you might think I know a lot of stuff, and that's probably an oversell. So I'm just going to back it off and just say I'm interested and I'm a fan. But in World War II, you probably know how things began. They began for us with Pearl Harbor, and this is a picture of Pearl Harbor, where a number of our battleships, cruisers, and even some of our carriers were sunk and that kind of thing. is a big deal. And because it used to be that war was always fought on land, but then things began in the skies not long before this, and eventually over the oceans. And so... Japan attacked, you know, the December 7th, 1941, a day that will live in infamy. You've heard the old thing uh, off the radio. Well, here's a very, very interesting thing that happened about the society that that happened to. At that moment, the greatest generation, who was probably a lot of our ages now and even younger, they rose up and they said, we're not going to let this stand. They said, we're going to go to war. And so what they did was, as you look at this next slide, they went to war over in the Japanese islands as well as over in Europe. There were two different theaters, if you're not familiar with U.S. history and World War. But this image, how many of you have ever seen this image before? Every single one of us in here, right? We've all seen it. Marines at Mount Suribashi uh, in Iwo Jima. And this, actually, there's a guy in there from Westlaco, Texas. So we've got a Texan holding up that flag. That's a big deal. And so these men actually were called the flag raisers. And here's what they did. Back in that day, they didn't have tons and tons and tons of money or even the ability to spend or print money as the United States. So they had to raise it. And instead of raising it from people in overseas banks, guess what they did? They did a bond drive, and they said, United States citizens, would you be willing to donate your money to the federal government so that we can continue this war? How many of you, that's brand new news? It's brand new news for a lot of y'all. Because back then, they didn't just print money. Well, that's a whole other story, but like, they didn't do that. And so they went around from city to city to city, and they pulled these guys out of the field and said, everybody's seen this picture. Everybody's moved by this picture. Will you go around and ask them to forego their money that they would have spent on themselves and on their families so that they could give that, and then they'd be paid back years later in interest. It was called a bond drive. And America had done them and done them and done them. This one was going to be what they called the mighty seventh, the seventh time that they would go to all these different cities and ask American people to pull money out of their pocket and say, here's my money, continue to fight this war. You guys with me? You understand? So here's what they wanted. They wanted to raise $14 billion, roughly 25% of the budget for the entire federal government. They wanted to raise that again. And so they went from city to city to city. And here is where America is different then than it is now. They didn't raise $14 billion. They raised $26 billion. Americans signing up in droves to say, I will sacrifice, I will pay so that somebody else can be safe and free. We don't live in that kind of world anymore. Now, this is really, really important. This is really important. 
You can go to this next slide. That's the mighty seventh, the war loan, the whole thing. But I want you to check out this historical note. This is the historical note. Go ahead and go to this next slide. You can see this. At the end of World War II, Japan had 15 aircraft carriers. All of the war was being fought off the aircraft carriers. The United States had 105. That's after Pearl Harbor and after it all began. So they had 15. We had 105. Now, I don't know about y'all, but my money's on 105, right? Do you know who built the 105? It wasn't our men that were military age, military men fighting, because guess where they were? They were overseas fighting, literally laying their lives on the line. But everybody took up and they said, we can be involved. How many of you recognize this iconic image what, what is this called on the count of three? Ready, one, two, three. It's Rosie the Riveter. You guys have heard that before? That's her, by the way, in real life today. Sorry, the quality's not the best, but I thought you might get a kick out of that. <laughs> you know why I put this up as well? Because that generation is dying. The greatest generation is dying, and we get an opportunity to say what kind of generation we're going to be. And this is really, really important. It wasn't just men and women. It wasn't just our troops. It was everybody. The whole thing was we can do this. And the reason Rosie the Riveter was a thing back then is because the men were off to war and they needed people to build the aircraft carriers and the destroyers and the ships. And so we outbuilt the nation of Japan with civilian labor building so the military machine could go forward and end the war. Now, this might seem like a whole lot of history, but can I bring it all back? People didn't say, I'm not interested. Thanks, but no thanks. They said, everybody together, we're going to all chip in. We're all going to do our part. And together, we can do this, no matter who we are. You see, this is a whole other thing, but women weren't in factories at that time. They weren't. But then they were because they were needed. In our generation, we desperately, desperately need people to say, you know what, there's not a whole lot of Christians, but instead of me kind of being a wallflower and kind of being over to the side and hoping somebody might ask one day about my faith, I'm going to serve. And then I'm going to say, you call me Lord and Master, and this is why, you know, not that you'd say that, but you would take up the cause and say, you know what, I just wanted to be a help to you because I know that people have helped me. And most of all, God has been there in my life and he's changed me. And so I serve you to serve him. That's how we make a difference in our world. That's how our generation ceases to be in the shadow of the greatest generation, and we become great ourselves. But we can't do that until we learn the importance of being good. This is all I have today, but I hope and pray that the Lord is laying on your heart that service and being a servant is what it is all about. Whether you're in the military, thank you for your service. Christians, I would love also to still say to you, thank you for your service. May it be true of all of us today. Heavenly Father, as we end our time, I know that you are our king. 
You are the one that we serve. You are the one that we worship. And anytime we put feet on our prayers, anytime we put hands to the plow to do something for your kingdom and for your people, and those of you uh, who, those of the people that are around that are not yours yet, Lord, anytime we serve those people, Lord, we're serving you. Be with us, encourage us, and challenge us, and make us, Lord, the people that you would have us to be. Please direct in our lives so that we become people who are characterized by service and servanthood and make us, Lord, the people that show your image to those who are in our world. In Jesus' name we pray. And everyone together said, amen. We have one more song, and I'm going to ask you guys to stand as we worship the Lord. Uh, I know that they've had some technical difficulties, especially right at the very end. Our uh, Wi-Fi went out and all that, but the band has done a great job. Uh, Hopefully, prayerfully, we're good to go. And uh, we thank you guys for you being here today. We're going to sing The Only King Forever.